I always want to have sort of a non-traditional research career where I can develop scientific ideas and in an uh, intellectually unconstrained environment and then convert those ideas to actionable steps that can directly benefit society. And um, uh, this is a really important uh, thing to me because, because for us, you're called ecologists or, or ecological modelers, whatever you want to call us, uh, it often feels like we're sort of shout into the void or, or, or simply arguing amongst ourselves about these abstract minutiae and models. Um, and in a lot of modeling papers, there's typically a, a discussion near the end on how our studies could help inform policy and, and management decisions and so on. But in reality, that's rarely done. So being in the IC program is great uh, because it showed me sort of a, a way to kind of escape that bubble and, and possibly um, uh, uh, in the future, deliver some of those valuable ideas to the desks of decision makers. This is the ORISE FeatureCast, a special edition of Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Join your hosts, Michael and Jenna, for conversations with ORISE research program participants and their mentors as they talk about their experiences and how they are helping shape the future of science. Welcome to the ORISE FeatureCast. Happy Wednesday and welcome to another episode of the ORISE FeatureCast. Um, we have an interesting episode today. This is something we've never done before and I'm really excited to have the opportunity to talk about one of our postdoc programs in addition to a couple of the participants, the program manager, and a program advisor. So we have a lot of people um, that we're going to hear from today, and I'm really excited because they're all fantastic. This is a great program. We're talking about the Intelligence Community Postdoc Program. And um, what I want to do is introduce all the folks who are, you're going to hear from and then we'll get started with the questions. So, Nabila, I'm going to start with you. Tell us a little bit about who you are and um, a little bit about your background. Hello, everyone, and uh, thank you so much for having me today. So, my name is Nabila Lishihab. I'm an IC postdoctoral research uh, associate uh, at NOAA Air Resources Lab in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. So I started my fellowship in January 2020 uh, in order to optimize the use of the existing federal data to improve the modeling of uh, the atmospheric pollutant dispersion in Washington, DC. Okay. So um, just concerning my background, I grew up in Tunisia where I obtained an engineering degree in agriculture sciences from the National Agronomic Institute of Tunisia. Then I moved to France where I pursue my master's in agroecology and my PhD in environmental sciences. Then I joined the staff uh, at NOAA IRL in Oak Ridge in 2016 um, in order, you know, for my NRC research postdoc, working on ammonia uh, emission in several ecosystems. Awesome. You've been around the world. I love yeah. that. <laughs> you and Tao, welcome to the Arise Feature Cast. Tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Um, so my name is Yuan Tao. I'm, I'm a third year postdoc fellow uh, in the IC program. I was originally trained as more of a theoretical ecologist, but um, 
I now work with Kevin Lafferty at, at UC Santa, uh, Santa Barbara on problems that are sort of at the interface of uh, traditional oncology, epidemiology, uh, and behavior. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you, sir. Helena, you are the program manager. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So, hi, everybody. Um, my name is Helena Lewag, and I am the IC postdoctoral project manager for ORISE. And I have been on this project for about five years now, and we find it a very, very exciting project, and I'm really excited to be able to administer that for the ORISE. Thank you. And last but certainly not least, Kevin, you are a program advisor. Um, tell us a little bit about a little bit about you. I'm a senior scientist with the United States Geological Survey. Uh, that's one of the key research arms for the federal government with respect to natural resources. I'm also an adjunct faculty at UC Santa Barbara out here in California. Okay. And uh, this is my first time as a, an IC postdoc advisor. And um, I specialize mostly in the ecology of infectious diseases and uh, with uh, our aim in USGS to supply information needs for the federal government. It's been great to expand our ability to do that for other agencies uh, like IC. Excellent. Um, I want to get a little bit of background from you, Helena, on what the IC postdocs program is. So what is the IC postdocs program? Um, Michael, the IC uh, postdoctoral research fellowship program has a mission to just recruit highly qualified scientists and engineers to conduct research uh, that is relevant to the intelligence community. And every year they publish a list of research opportunities. Uh, this year we happen to have 59 opportunities that are currently active on the IC uh, postdoctoral website. Okay. And um, to, you know, we try to reach out to soon to graduate postdocs or postdocs who would have graduated in the last five years and let them know that these opportunities are available to them and to encourage them to go to our website and see if they're in their research areas. The great thing about this um, opportunity for postdocs is they get the opportunity to continue their research at any government um, lab or any US um, accredited US university in the United States. That's great. What kinds of opportunities then do postdocs who participate in the program, what kind of opportunities do they have? Oh, there's a variety of disciplines that we have. So we go anywhere from the soft sciences right through a lot of the um, engineering topics that are out there. Um, generally, when we select people, or they, I see selects people, they will select them based on their proposal and how interested they are in pursuing the research uh, that they submitted that topic for that topic. Okay. So really, you know, <laughs> you could do just about anything. You can. Like. You can. 59 different opportunities out there, Michael. I'm sure there's something in there. And, you there's know, the something that'll fit. There are. And the research topic is pretty broad. So okay. it doesn't mean that somebody's doing just that topic. Um, they could be doing one aspect of that topic. So we've seen many proposals come in that are varied research for the same topic. I got you. Okay. 
And how did you get to be the program manager? What's <laughs> I got lucky. Um, so when the program uh, became available, um, I stepped up and said that this, you know, wanted to really, uh, well, I stepped in and said that I was very interested in managing this program. And so now I've done it for five years. I find that every year I'm just more and more interested, more enthusiastic about the program. And when you talk to Nabila today and talk to uh, Ewan today, you'll find that their success stories really invigorate you to really want to reach out and get that next set of scientists who want to continue in those STEM fields. And when we get that feedback, you know, there's nothing better than seeing that and feel like you're really helping STEM research in the United States. As someone who works in the communications department for ORU and ORS, I mm -hmm. love um, seeing, reading, and telling, you know, the success stories of our postdocs and all of our really research participants because it is invigorating to you know to think oh my goodness <laughs> look what they're you know look what they get to do look what's available that if if i wasn't part of this organization i'd have no idea yeah just to add to that michael there are a um, couple of success stories on the orise website right mm -hmm. now and nabila's story is there and there's also a story currently about Catherine McCormick, uh, who's at the University of Washington. And we're reaching out and we're working our way through more of the postdocs. We have a third story going up a little bit later this month as well. So, you know, if somebody wants to read about the IC postdocs, there are wonderful success stories out there to read on the Excellent. And, website. And Ewan's story is in process, I understand. It is. So <laughs> we'll be telling that story soon. Mm -hmm. So, so for um, you and, and Nabila, um, first for both of you, um, how did you hear about the program? You and why don't I start with you on that one? How did you hear about the IC postdocs program? Oh, okay. Um, well, I first knew about it uh, from one of these. I'm sure all of you are familiar, like department of uh, listserv emails that just get blindly sent to everyone who's remotely connected to the department. And uh, incidentally, on that day, I opened it instead of deleting it right away, as I do with all other emails. Um, and I was immediately sort of drawn to the opportunity titled something like predicting behavioral influences on epidemic dynamics, uh, which is a concept that, that I've been focusing on and trying to promote uh, throughout my PhD years. Um, and in fact, I completely missed the IC connection and only realized that later on when I was writing up the application. So I sort of fell into this, this fellowship, uh, but in the best possible way. Excellent. Nabilo, same question for you. How did you find out about the program? Uh, okay, so I've heard about um, the IC program through the ORIU webpage. Okay. And uh, actually, uh, a lot of my colleagues at NOAA, ARL, and Oak Ridge are affiliated through ORIU. And even actually, our building is very close to the uh, building of the ORIU headquarters. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of meetings and we hear a lot of you know, news from the ORU. And one of the emails that I've received at that time is about the IC program. So, and when I you know, opened the email and 
right through it, uh, I was really impressed with the wide range and diversity of the topics. Uh, I was really interested for my, you know, related to my, the research that I'm doing um, to the uh, topic related to the air quality issue, uh, related to the, disper the pollutant dispersion in uh, urban area. I proposed that to my advisor, uh, Dr. Latoya Miles, who uh, really encouraged me and to, to write a proposal and to submit it to this program. Okay. Um, while I have you, talk a little bit more about your research and what you're doing and um, I guess what it means, what, you know, what it could develop into you. Okay. So um, I need to mention that I'm part of the air quality uh, research team at NOAA ARL. Mm -hmm. Uh, and our uh, main uh, research goal is to refine the estimation of air quality uh, and to assess the risk uh, to human health and the environment. Uh, I'm personally involved in measuring and modeling the surface uh, and atmosphere exchange of several pollutant, atmospheric pollutant, in several ecosystems, uh, such as um, the agriculture, forest, and uh, coastal ecosystem. Okay. Uh, so do you want me to give you details about uh, the, my IC program, the IC proposal that I've submitted? Yeah, absolutely. Please do. Okay. So um, my, uh, I've been actually selected for the proposal entitled uh, Improving the Prediction of Hazardous Material Dispersion in an Urban Environment. Okay. And in this uh, project, I'm working on optimizing the use of the, of the existing federal data from the DCNET program uh, in order to improve modeling the atmospheric pollutant dispersion in uh, urban area and specifically Washington, D.C. Here I need to give a brief background for the DCNET uh, research program. So DCNET is a meteorological, it's a, a dense meteorological um, program uh, in Washington, DC, operated by NOAA since 2003. So this program collects meteorological data and also um, the characteristic of the atmospheric turbulence. Mm -hmm. It's important to point out that this program is unique and the, the, the DCNet data are unique because they are collected for several years and at several locations in, in Washington, D.C., actually in downtown. And contrary to the, um, you know, the classical meteorological data, which are gathered from the National Weather Service uh, stations generally located in major airports. Mm -hmm. Those data are gathered in downtown DC, so which helps us to have, the, um, to have local data in order to improve the modeling of this process. So uh, the first step of this project is to analyze this data. So far, I've been analyzing uh, meteorological data and, um, and uh, turbulence observations from 2017 to 2019 in order to identify the key variables controlling 
the modeling process of the, um, the atmospheric dispersion in, uh, in the urban environment. Okay. And actually, I've recently published uh, a NOATEC memo uh, presenting all this analysis. The second step that I'm working on, I'm currently working on, is to compare the DCNET data with the National Weather Service model output, and specifically the NAM model, the North American Mesoscale model. Okay. And this comparison will allow us to identify and um, adjustments and, you know, propose adjustments, I would say, uh, that could be implemented in dispersion models, such as high split model, to uh, improve the accuracy of its prediction. The next step, uh, after doing this comparison, I will work uh, more closely with the high split team in order to figure out how we can implement those adjustments. Gotcha. I have to imagine just as a science geek who's not a scientist, um, that, you know, when you talk about downtown DC and having the local data, you know, you're talking about the difference between say the high rise and the national mall, you know, you've got tight streets versus open, big open spaces and air just, versus differently depending on where you're standing in downtown DC. Is that how I understand that to work? Yes, exactly. Actually, one of the sites that we are focusing on is on the Hoover building, is the Hoover okay. building. Uh, the site is on the top of the roof of the building. And one of the challenges uh, here is um, how, which is actually, it's important to improve uh, the capabilities to estimate the air pollution in urban area because there is a lot of, the population is really growing there. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other um, challenge is, you know, there are a lot of buildings and all the processes are very complex in an urban environment. And one of the um, great opportunity that this uh, project is given me is discovering this uh, ecosystem with all its complexity because I actually I've been working on especially agriculture ecosystem uh, forest ecosystem and coastal ecosystem where NOAA have a lot of expertise in it right so I'm discovering and learning a lot from this experience great um, you and the same question for you. Tell me a little bit about your research project. So, so my research mainly focuses on the effects of individual and group level dynamics, uh, group level behavior, I should say, on uh, epidemic dynamics. And that covers both um, outbreak spread and outbreak management. So for instance, uh, we look at topics like, you know, how could wildlife movement pattern, um, such as animal migration and home range, um, affect uh, the emergence uh, spread um, and even surveillance strategy of zoonotic diseases. Um, and that can be Nipah virus, root valley fever, Hendra virus, et cetera. Conversely, we're also looking at the effects of epidemics on behaviors. Um, for example, how could an epidemic that is getting out of control impact the way it is managed at the local level, right? So a key idea here is, well, um, as we add various burdens, to an already taxed emergency response system, which is something we're very familiar with right now in the current pandemic, uh, we're likely to end up with what we call patchwork response that is efficient in some places, but also highly inefficient in other places. 
And that can have a, a long-term negative impact on the epidemic at the national scale. So um, essentially in summer, we're, we're examining sort of this uh, interaction and, and, and feedback between behavior, whether it's animal or human um, and uh, epidemiological dynamics at the larger scale. Okay. And very relevant to <laughs> what's happening in our world. What we're dealing with now. Right yeah. now, right. Um, is there a typical day um, during your appointment? Is there, you know, in doing your research, do you have typical days? Do you just have days where you're just cranking at work? How, <laughs> what's it like, I guess, to be in a postdoc appointment for the IC pro, um, postdoc program? Uh, I, I suppose when we get our uh, reviewer response back, that typically, uh, you know, sort, sort, sort of um, motivate us to, to, to get things out the door. Um, but generally speaking, I think one of the main challenges we all have right now during COVID is try to remain productive uh, while working from home mm -hmm. uh, and not having conferences to attend to, not having face-to-face -face meetings with collaborators or advisors and, and just trying to keep on top of things uh, through emails, through Zooms and uh, have, have self-imposed deadlines um, to, to kind of, you know, uh, get us closer to our goals. And um, yeah, and, and, and one of the great things about the IC program is sort of the, the, the travel funds and the research funds it provides because um, instead of, you know, missing out on all these conferences and, and not having the opportunity to gain new knowledge, we can leverage some of those resources to purchase academic books or okay. attend uh, uh, virtual workshops and so on. So, so we still, you know, find a way to kind of um, uh, manage the challenge and, and, and discover new methods to, to sort of advance our, our uh, technical foundation. Okay. Does working from home um, pose challenges in terms of the research aspect of your work? You and I'll ask you that question first. Uh, for me as a theoretician, not as much, I would imagine, okay. as someone who works in the lab or in the field. Um, but, but obviously, you know, at the, at the core of scientific collaboration, a, a lot of times you, you just need to be in a room to write equations out on a, on a chalkboard for everyone to see and correct. So that element being missing um, can, can be sort of difficult to overcome at times. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just something that we have to, we have to adapt to. Right. Nabila, same question for you, since you, your work may be a little bit different. Um, are you hindered? Are you challenged by having to work from home? Or, you know, do you get to go into the facility at this point? No, we're still uh, working from home and it's a little bit challenging, especially when you do uh, field measurements. So in this project, I'm not doing really a field measurement. I'm just analyzing data, okay. but I would love, you know, I didn't even get the chance to visit the site, for example. Uh, gotcha. From the beginning, I was, you know, uh, we were planning to go and visit the site in DC. It was in early March, mm -hmm. but we couldn't make it. Right. Uh, but I would say, yes, actually, it affected our uh, work life over this uh, past year. But I really thank all the collaborators of this program uh, 
by, you know, supporting us and even in my, actually my lab, they're, they're very supportive and in order to, to keep going. And uh, for example, I published this report last year. It was a little bit, you know, challenging with all the, with this pandemic, but we did it and we're keep, you know, we're keeping up. Uh, uh, and actually, I would like to mention also all the meetings that I'm involved in during this program, just to make sure that everything is okay, and um, especially the priorities, health and safety, mm -hmm. and also to track the progress of my research work. Okay. So I, we have a biweekly meeting with the NOAA ARL. Uh, I have a monthly meeting with the IC advisor and I have a bi-weekly meeting with the high split meeting since the next step will be to work with them. So all those meetings uh, make things, it's not very, you know, often, which is good sometimes just right. to have time to progress, but it's perfect. The timing is perfect uh, okay. to be able to progress. Great. Um, Nabila, looking forward, how does the IC postdoc program and the research that you're able to do, how will that benefit you in the future? It's a great question. Um, I would say there are two parts of uh, advantages. So the first part is the scientific side and the communication. So during this uh, program, I've you know I'm still learning and gaining a lot of uh, knowledge on how it's as I mentioned, on collecting, monitoring, and analyzing data uh, in an urban environment. Also, uh, I'm, I became uh, a scientific user of the HighSplit model, which is one of the most ex extensively used model in the atmospheric science community. The other side, which is really interesting, and uh, this is my favorite part of this program, is the um, exceptional uh, collaboration and teamwork that I'm involved in. So through this program, I have the opportunity to partner with ORISE, ORU, NOAA, and the IC community. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, this, Actually, this collaboration uh, helped me and will help me in the future uh, to have a lot of contacts and to highlight my, my research, especially as a woman scientist. And actually, uh, as an early career woman scientist, mm -hmm. it's, it's an asset for me. And we all know that women in STEM uh, have been fighting for equality for Absolutely. years, uh, trying to have as many opportunities as men, especially for in this world program. Mm -hmm. So I'm really proud uh, to have been selected for this program and to be part of this interesting, um, you know, collaboration. And in this context, I would love to highlight the fact that um, the mission of, uh, one of the mission of our lab, NOAA ARL, is to increase diversity and inclusion uh, you know, in our workplace. And I feel really lucky to be part of this research group as well. Wonderful. Thank you very much for that. You. Ewan, same question for you. How will your research and this program benefit you um, for your future, for future work? Hmm. Um, so I always want to have sort of a non-traditional research career where 
I can develop scientific ideas and, and uh, intellectually unconstrained environment and then convert those ideas to actionable steps that can directly benefit society. And um, uh, this is a really important uh, thing to me because, because for us, you're called ecologists or, or ecological modelers, whatever you want to call us, uh, often feels like we're sort of shouting into the void or, or, or simply arguing amongst ourselves about these abstract minutiae and models. Um, and in a lot of modeling papers, there's typically a, a discussion near the end on how our studies could help inform policy and, and management decisions and so on. But in reality, that's rarely done. So being in the IC program is great uh, because it showed me sort of a, a way to kind of escape that bubble and, and possibly um, uh, uh, in the future deliver some of those valuable ideas to the desks of decision makers. Um, and you know, for that reason, I, I think exposures or experiences like this will, um, will benefit not just my own career, but um, perhaps the scientific community at large um, for many years to come. Excellent, thank you, sir. Kevin, I'm coming to you. Um, what is it like and what does it mean to be um, an advisor in the IC postdoc program? Well, you know, um, I, I run sort of a, a different lab perhaps than most. Most labs, I, I think, operate like a, a well-honed machine to investigate a, a particular question. They spend years working on these things and, and the postdocs are key cogs in those machines. Okay. Um, I operate my lab a little bit more like a, a cage fighting think tank where um, I just want to bring really great young scientists in and ask them to pursue the most ambitious questions that they can imagine. And the postdocs play an important role in that because um, they come in and, and, and they are, you know, there's, there's, there are three steps ahead of the PhD students and the PhD students can look at those success stories as, um, you know, paths to their future and inspiration and so forth. And what's been great about the IC postdoc is it's just, it's, it's flexible enough to let that model happen, right? The IC postdoc is saying, here's a topic and within that topic, go and do whatever uh, your brilliant mind will let you. And, and, uh, and so that fits, that fits my philosophy about mentoring postdocs, just great. Now, my, my personal uh, reason for getting postdocs is just that, you know, man, it's so exciting to have young, talented scientists come in with new ideas and new techniques that can expand my research portfolio and keep mm -hmm. me abreast of new things and keep me interested. But, you know, as you had mentioned, um, I'm a federal scientist. And so um, I have a very strong philosophical uh, view that we are generally a scientist taking the public's money and they expect that they're going to be getting some sort of return on their investment. That's going to better society. And, and, and I would say that, um, you know, the, the, IC, the intelligence community is one of, uh, what I think we could all agree on one of, uh, areas that is very much focused on that particular outcome from science. And unlike in a lot of other, uh, areas, um, you know, the intelligence community, very much understands the value of data and impartial information for making yeah. decisions. And, and so that is something also that I, I've really been uh, pleased about this particular 
program uh, and what it's uh, able to do. So um, the other thing is that, you know, gosh, I, especially bringing you in, I mean, if you had asked me a few years ago if I'd be working on foot and mouth disease, I, I, I would have been very surprised to know that that's, uh, you know, one of the directions that Ewan's taken my career into. And yet it's been, frankly, one of the more exciting and, and interesting uh, little projects that we've been working on. Very interesting. Um, you talked about data um, and the whole notion of data science and bias and ethics and, you know, all of that seem to be really big issues these days in terms of, you know, who owns the data, we're all producing data, you know, <laughs> all of those things. So um, I know this isn't a question I prepared you for, but um, any thoughts that you have on just the data in general and um, protecting, using it, all of those kind of all of those things? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that um, there's been a real change in my life as a scientist, my career as a scientist, from a, ver a view of petty private ownership of data and ideas to this idea that the public owns our data and our, mm -hmm. our, our information and our methods. And so, um, you know, whatever uh, I produce and what you and I will produce together, you know, uh, the data will be available if we generate new data, that's available to the public. If the code uh, is used to do new analyses, the code will be available to people. We're not um, in the business of these sorts of, I would say, uh, private goods or um, collections of things that we're hiding from other people. It's all about um, we all know that, that science moves much faster and much better if it's transparent and we share our, mm -hmm. our discoveries rather than hide them from each other. Right, right. Um, Kevin, as an advisor, any interesting stories? Any, uh, you know, I'm, I sense that you um, love working with Ewan. Uh, any other students, um, postdocs that have interesting stories that you might want to share? Well, you know, um, I'll focus on Ewan because he really is the star of this particular show. And he's my only IC postdoc, and I, I, I hope okay. to have one. But, uh, you know, it, it would be, frankly, it would be hard for them to live up to Ewan. And I think that what was, what was great about this particular trajectory from my perspective is Ewan was able to come into the lab before COVID and he could interact with my PhD students and he could set that example and he's incredibly personable and funny and, and uh, you know, a, a joy to be around. And then COVID hits and we have to go into our isolation mode, but mm -hmm. Ewan also has a new baby. And so it's perfect because he can be dad at home. And I'm super happy that the, the timing of this worked out uh, great for him to, uh, you know, front load all the the sort of in-person contact in, in my lab first and then go off and now we can work on the papers, but he can he can uh, easily do that from home and, and we're just in sort of, you know, uh, electronic contact now. And, and uh, But I think that, you know, in most cases, what I would prefer is to have uh, a postdoc that I can have coffee with every day and, mm -hmm. and uh, that can come to my lab meeting and we can, uh, you know, uh, hang out and do stuff um, that is uh, you know, and especially with somebody like you and where that's just, I would want to do that with him anyways, we met um, you know, you didn't apply to me. We met because I was given a seminar 
um, at a university and, and he uh, signed up for a meeting with me and we chatted. We had a great time talking about it. We realized we had a lot of shared interests and, and so forth. And that's what made, it, made us want to work together uh, rather than him simply applying for an opportunity, for instance. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Helen, I'm coming back to you. Um, tell me again how many openings are in the IC postdoc program? Uh, so we've posted 59 uh, opportunities this year. Um, it's unfortunate that we probably won't get applicants to all 59 opportunities uh, because we do have uh, to reach the person doing that research mm -hmm. at, um, who wants to go to the university. So the outreach part and trying to reach somebody doing that specific research who's a U.S. citizen always poses a challenge. And Dr. Lafferty could probably talk to that even more. Um, there's a limited number of postdocs every year. Um, one of the nice things that we didn't talk about in this program or um, somebody you touched on it and Nabila touched on it a little bit is uh, the IC program is really genuinely interested in the success of their postdocs. And to that end, they'll also pair them with an IC advisor. And that IC advisor is somebody there to help uh, them with any questions. Nabila talked about she touches in once a month. Mm -hmm. um, Ewan touches in with his IC advisor. So that person's in that research field and they're really there to assist them and to make sure that they're successful in the program. They're not there to guide their research. They're not there to, to interact in any way other than to help them. Um, okay. So that's a unique thing on this program that I've never seen in any other program. Okay. Um, so you have 59 um, opportunities. You have a deadline coming up, I understand. We do have a deadline. Our deadline this year is February 26th, so it's coming up fast. The postdoc does have to submit a proposal, and um, the proposals, along with their resumes and their IC advice or their uh, academic advisor resume, is reviewed by a panel, and they're rated and they're selected on that. Um, and the program's been very, very successful. I can just say I've just did a quick count before this show. We have 39 postdocs currently in the program. Excellent. Um, it's wonderful. Um, if I happen to be an interested postdoc, how would I apply? What's, what's the um, facility, the process for applying process. To, to join the program? Um, on our IC postdoc um, website, so if somebody looks at the IC postdoctorial fellowship, They'll be directed to our website. Uh, the applicant instructions are on there. We have um, the list of the opportunities. I also have information sessions that we hold once a week. So if anybody was interested in that, they can uh, sign up for one of those informational sessions. And we do one-on-one -on -one chats with them on any questions that they might have any questions they have about any of the research opportunities, specific questions, we just say, just email us and we'll submit those onto the IC and we'll get answers for them. Gotcha. So if someone has questions, maybe before one of those sessions, can they just drop you an email? 
love to have their emails. We want, <laughs> we want you to engage with us. If you have those questions, ask the questions. You know, sometimes we found that once we've got those answers and or we've reached out to people, um, they've said, oh, I didn't realize that's what the program was about, you know, and right. they've completed their application just after getting that feedback. Which makes it very helpful for them, I'm sure. It does. <laughs> Um, before we close out, is there anything that any of you want to add that we haven't touched on? Uh, I, I guess I just want to uh, reemphasize that uh, the program is really ideal for those who um, are, are seeking uh, new possibilities, I underlying the word new, uh, for what, what one can do as a scientist outside of a conventional university setting. Okay. Excellent. Thank you for that, Ewan. Yeah, and I, I thought I would mention that, you know, one of the unique aspects of this program is that um, the IC program provides a stipend for advisors, which is, um, in my case, it, it, it wasn't needed and, and the program was flexible enough to let me uh, change that into you know, resources for the lab and, and uh, that, that was needed. And, and oh, so great. Was really, you know, that, that sort of flexibility is, is uh, not always what we encounter in the federal government, and uh, so it was uh, it was really refreshing. Excellent. I just want to add that uh, this program actually offers a very good travel budget that a lot of um, you know IC postdoc will, you know, will enjoy <laughs> uh, this uh, travel budget compared to other uh, postdoctoral, you know. Uh, programs and uh, I hope we hope that we will be able to take advantage of this um, travel budget uh, I think that you know attending the conferences it's very interesting and it's um, something that the researcher and all the scientists uh, enjoy uh, because especially in person Sure. Uh, in order to interact with other researchers engaged in similar work or in other works, it will give you a lot of ideas and, um, you know, enlarge your knowledge about what's going on in the research world and enlarge the, the collaboration as well. And possibly give you the opportunity to present, maybe? Of course. At a conference, right? Yeah. Actually, when you attend a conference, you're supposed to, to present uh, a poster or an oral presentation. Okay. So, and, but you need to submit an abstract uh, before that. Right. right. Uh, and even, you know, um, you present and also you attend several presentations. And there are a lot of, um, you know, meetings and um, discussions going on. And you can meet a lot of, you know, people, students, uh, senior scientists, and uh, even actually the private, some private companies can attend and um, can propose funding uh, opportunities as well. Excellent. Thank you for that. Thank you. Michael, I just want to add to just in closing, uh, how successful most of our IC postdocs are at the end of this program. Um, we like to try and keep, ask them where are they going afterwards. Mm -hmm. And we do find, you know, a large proportion go into academia. We have a lot of people doing startup companies and are able to secure large sums of money to start up their own companies. 
Um, we've had people being successful um, getting the Fulbright scholarship right after this program. So we've had a lot of very, very successful postdocs in the program, happy to say. So if you want to be successful, whatever that looks like for you, <laughs> you, want to, you want to be part of the IC postdoc program. That's what I'm hearing, right? <laughs> no, I think it just speaks to the uh, wonderful postdocs and the level yeah. of postdocs we have in the program. Absolutely. And I have been honored to meet um, virtually Ewan and Nabila today and Kevin and Helena. Thank you both. Thank you all for giving of your time to talk about this wonderful program. And I hope that folks who are listening, who either are postdocs who might be interested or, or soon to be postdocs who might be interested or family members, uh, you know, postdocs um, who could be interested to share this and to, to put their names in the hat for this program. It sounds like an amazing thing. So thank you all so much for being here today. Thank you, Michael. Thank, thank you. you. Michael. Thank you for listening to the O-Rise Feature Cast. To learn more about the Oak Ridge Institute for Science and Education, visit orise.orau.gov or find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at O-Rise Connect.